Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Woodzik. This is episode 109 with Jihad Milham, and we talk about his new play, Mosque, which is going to have a staged reading at the Arapahoe Library District in Littleton, Colorado, this Friday and Saturday at 7 o'clock. We have the link to that event in the episode description. We also talk about Guards at the Taj, which is going to go up at the Dairy Arts Center, produced by Boulder Ensemble Theater Company. This is a really fun episode. One of the coolest people I've ever met in real life, in person. You get these, you get hits off of people when you see them in shows, and then it's always so much fun when you meet them, and they're even cooler in person than your imagined persona of them. He also gives some really, some of the most practical advice about how to make being an actor work in your life that we've had on the podcast. And so make sure you listen to the very end to get those nuggets of practical goodness. This episode is sponsored by Max Cole Takanikos. You know Max. Max was a guest here once on the podcast, and he is a, such a talented graphic designer. So if you need a logo, if you need a poster, business cards designed, Max, I cannot recommend Max highly enough. We have a link to his website in the episode description. So please enjoy episode 109 with Jihad Milham. to the podcast. Welcome! Hello, hello, hello. I'm really glad that you're here. Thank you. Uh, I want to start off by complimenting all of the men on You on the Moors now for their amazing dancing skills to Shooting Star in the dressing room. Thank you. That was one of my favorite Facebook posts ever. That um, was our favorite little ri- ritual. It's uh, <laughs> It was something that, like, you know, it was something to look forward to. Who initiated that? Whose idea was that? Was uh, it a group Matthew mind Bloodsmith, thing? I believe. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It, it it became a group effort over time, but I got the bit of the sniffles, I apologize. Oh, no worries. But, uh, yeah, it, it was... Matthew Bloodsmith loves that song. Uh, <laughs> and uh, now it's become a, a, a memento of the show. That's awesome. I love those backstage moments and that sometimes you you only get to know about as an actor um but you're willing to share that with the world so just getting done you're just done with closing you on the moors now in which you were fantastically hilarious thank you you just punctuated the crap out of that english accent from mr bingley and that was one of my favorite moments in the show so you like many artists never rest never sleep uh, and so you have a stage reading of a play that you wrote coming up on the 13th and 14th. I do. Tell me all about it. I do. Well, uh, the play is called Mosque. Uh, it's set in the summer of 2010 in New York City. Uh, and it follows a father and son. Uh, the father is a Jordanian immigrant, devout Muslim. And the son is a first-generation American immigrant and kind of secular. Um kind of like somebody you may know <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, it, it, it deals with everything that the mosque near ground zero debate 
for me at least, like churns up in terms of what American identity is and what family is, because then you have people who are close to Muhammad and Abdul, Abdul being the father, Muhammad being the son, uh, who disagree with the mosque being built there, yet they are considered family by mosque, I'm sorry, by, by mosque, uh, by Muhammad and Abdul. So you have that, and then the core of it, of course, just being the father and son, and them coming to terms with who they both are. How long has this project been in the works for you? Uh, since I graduated college. Uh, really, since the summer of 2010. So I graduated in um, late May, early June, whenever people graduate college. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, over the summer, I was saving money and getting ready to move to New York with some of my best friends uh, from college. And uh, while that was going on, while I'm saving money to move to New York, I keep seeing all these news feeds and things that... Uh, are so contradictory to what I thought New York was, to what I thought America was, and that had me thinking. And I go to my sister's house to say, uh, you know, bye, I love you, I'm going to move out of the state. Uh, and while I'm with her, uh, her and her husband at the time express uh, reservations about the mosque. And I don't really say anything because... Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say things in those instances, but, uh, that kind of was the catalyst for the show. And then I moved to New York and I wasn't really working very much as an actor. I was working like third shift at the Trader Joe's in Union Square, mm. um, and really couldn't audition for much, uh, but I could go to an open mic that was really designed for playwrights, but it was called o Open Anything. Uh, and luckily there was some Otterbein connections, which is the school I went to. Um, I feel like I'm talking to the microphone instead of you. That, you can talk to the microphone. It's, it's great because it's, it's really a really beautiful it's microphone, not a visual, folks. It's not a visual medium. And so, yeah. oh, there's a kitty. Yes, that's most likely Marley. There's also Chrissy, but <laughs> Chrissy usually just sleeps during the day. Gotcha. Uh, you can put your eyes wherever you want. Okay. That's what's so great about having it be an audio medium. For sure, for yeah. sure. Um, well, so I'm in New York and I'm going to this o open mic uh, designed for playwrights. So after a while, I just started writing the play because that's like uh, what I what I can do. That's something I did have control over and had right. the time for. Uh, and I, I wrote the play also as a vehicle for myself. Um, so all those things collide and I get... a. Uh, about two-thirds halfway through move to Philly uh, and start acting there and I get into a relationship with my now wife there so I stay there uh, and while I'm there I get the opportunity after like a year or two uh, of getting it produced through a young company much like Fearless that is just trying to produce new work for people uh, and that kind of lit the fire under my ass to finish it. Um, and then I kind of just put it on the shelf uh, and forgot about it for close to five years. And then luckily 
Alex from Fearless, whom I did K with, uh, K the Rise and Fall of the New York Club Kids with Pandemic Theater Collective and Rhea Amos and all those wonderful people. And uh, I mentioned it offhand to Alex and he expressed interest and months later we met uh, in this very room uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, he, gave, he gave me this opportunity and now I'm finally able to dig back into it and hear other people do it and he's reading the part for me up until this upcoming rehearsal so that's really nice gives me time to step back from it whereas before I was always Muhammad and um, a director really uh, an amazing director in Philly uh, was really the shaping ear for it and so it's it's nice to have this opportunity I'm just really thankful for it and it's something nestled right in the middle of um, incredibly busy time and uh, not so busy time and yeah so it, it really all worked out perfectly and now I'm doing it yay what can you tell me about the other folks who will be reading in the mm -hmm. in the stage production uh, sure 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 uh, uh, we've got Hossein uh, I'm gonna butcher their names I we can look if it's okay, do you mind if I look it up? So Please I don't, do, yeah. Uh, they're, they're all really great. I've, I've met most of them like twice, but they are amazing people. Um, and did you have a hand in helping to cast it, or is that something that Fearless did in conversation uh, that's with you? Pretty much Al that's pretty much Alex in conversation with me. Um, there were a, a few people I had in mind, but... Uh, they usually work for money consistently. <laughs> uh, you know, which... shoot, shoot for people wanting to, you know, get paid to act and stuff. How well, dare you they? Know, so I, I usually didn't even go through the trouble or just mentioned it out out, out of hand. Right. Um, but uh, so we have Hossein Forozande. I'm probably totally mispronouncing that, but he's a really great uh, actor from Colorado Springs uh, who's going to play my father actually though he's he's a very attractive peer of mine I don't, I don't want people to get the wrong idea uh, but uh, he's really great and really understands it I think um, Jonathan Underwood who's playing Bobby uh, a middle aged taxi driver from Harlem who is the one who insists instigates the uh, conflict with uh, his anti-mosque viewpoint uh, wow I sound like I'm writing a like an essay or something <laughs> it's uh, good you're very passionate about the project you can use ten dollar words that's cool yeah ten dollar words uh, uh, oh boy I yeah all these people deserve to be fully recognized I'm just having trouble finding uh, there's a uh, uh, gentleman by the name of Joe who is playing Felix are another Im immigrant in the play uh, uh, there's oh boy okay I need to figure out their names I think that's probably a good idea uh, I'll look at a mosque email because they it's it's really been a whirlwind of 
four hours of their time over the past two weeks, but uh, and I've I've just kind of been in my head and my notebook taking notes and closing my eyes and listening to them. Yeah, the power of right now in in grad school we're doing uh, moment work with Lee Fundakowski and yeah that the practice of distilling the different elements of theater. Um, in their own language and, and listening to a moment, listening to a moment that's just about st- sound versus watching it. It's a whole thing. Theater geekery. It's pretty great. Theater geekery is the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's Joseph Sochek. Uh, he's the gentleman playing Felix. Uh, Lainey no- Novak. Uh, she's been a pleasure to work with so far, and she's playing Alice. Uh the lone woman in my Brechtel not passing play, uh, which I've been very aware of. <laughs> the Brechtel test. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm failing that test horribly with this piece. Uh, and but you have an awareness of it, which is great. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. And I'm definitely uh, in, in, in a place of trying to beef up some side characters and things like that. But, you know, I, I this is my first play. And, but at the same time, I it, it is... It's something that you don't even, I wasn't even aware of doing. I was heading out with one goal in mind. And then before I knew it, I had one female character who was really just supporting the main character. And I was like, man, I didn't even think about that, you know? Uh, But with that said, it's still a great play, I promise. (laughs) Uh, You should definitely still come out for it. Um, uh, And Daniel Ramos, who's going to play Sam, he's. local comedian on the scene and yeah he he fits sam well just because of the uh humor and uh kind of sarcasm that i uh that comes with sam but sam's still like just a simple supportive friend um simple as it's sam smart sam smart but uh uh I, I, I don't know. There's a simplicity to what Daniel brings to it that uh, I appreciate a lot, and I think the viewing audience will as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, and then uh, and J- Jonathan Underwood, who I already mentioned. Okay, so I think that's our fearless cast. Uh, pun intended. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about obviously the you know you want to speak to your you want we want all the audiences to come to all the things but to narrow it in in the greater political climate that we're in right now why do you think it's especially important for folks to step it on up and come see this show uh i think that there's just a a vacuum in our culture for arab american viewpoints um there are Muslim uh, m- American ones which are great and you know like even like Aziz or um, the the dude from the big sick and you know th- that's great and amazing and I feel like I'm being reflected but even then they're not Arabs they're uh, uh, Southeast Asian I think is the right you know the India packet yeah Pakis, uh, area. Yes. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And in our country, it's kind of conflated those two, those two things. Um, 
Like even I'm in guards at the Taj, you know. If we were in a larger marketplace, I wouldn't be in that show. Right. I'm about th three shades too light, you know. Uh, but it's kind of you know, oh, like I'm Palus uh, Denian, and through all the my whole time growing up, kids would always say you're Pakistani, right? You know, like it, there was so it's I, I just wanted to make clear like these are Arabs. Um, but e even then, it's it is more about just being a fish out of water. Uh, but for for people in general now, um, I I I think it's important to come out and view and support this piece. If you're scared of Islam, if you don't understand it, um, if you just want to be a part of the cultural fight against Islamophobia, um, I think this piece is important for those things um, I am currently solving all the world's problems with a typewriter <laughs> no, uh, 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 why does he use a typewriter my laptop so it's you know um, I, I, I don't want to sound too obtuse but uh, yeah I, I just think that I think it's important for folks to see not only the theater that entertains and delights and makes you laugh, but pieces of theater that have a different cultural viewpoint than yours and be in conversation with them and be challenged by them and learn new things. Because I think sometimes folks think theater is just to entertain and it's really about storytelling and some stories can make you feel uncomfortable or change your viewpoint. Yeah, I wholeheartedly believe in that. I think the... Uh, the empathy aspect of theater is everything that's the whole point um and yeah so that is a hope of mine that maybe you'll understand where i'm coming from a little better I understand the the world i grew up in versus the world my father grew up in versus you know the world that 9-11 created uh and how that's not the same for that I don't know some somebody like me has a very distinct relationship to all those things that um, nobody else in the country really has there are plenty of non-white people who have their own distinct relationship to those things but they aren't mine but they kind of are which is also what I kind of play with with display it's he heavily influenced by black culture there's a reason why it's said in Harlem <laughs> Um, and that's also just a, a reflection of who I am too and where I grew up. And, uh, you know, like as a Palestinian, German, British, Native American, American, uh, I really relate mostly to hip hop culture, which is black culture, um, even though I'm not that. Uh, but I was raised in that. So. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that um, I've made it a point in my life to embrace complexity because of my life and how weird and complex it is and um, how many different viewpoints I've... Viewpoints. Viewpoints, viewpoints. Who viewpoints. are you, Anne Bogart? Anne Bogart. Uh, no, uh, you know, just different ways people look at the world. You know, just... Uh, uh, I've been exposed to everything, you know. I've got what some people will call white trash in my family. I've got 
like really devout Muslims who were born and raised in the West Bank. Um, I've got like people who used to rob drug dealers. I've got, you know, I've got people who have, you know, who are going to work on a second doctorate soon, you know, like second masters. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, I, I think that really great plays embrace complexity and don't shy away from uh, human behavior. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do. But also show that people you think that may be disgusting or uh, reprehensible, if you saw them on the news, just ex expressing how they feel, like in yeah. a tight little soundbite, that they, you know, you, you might be surprised by how well you could get along with that person. You, you, you know, um, I'm always obsessed with you know, like, how many conservative friends do I have? And, you know, like, because uh, I, for how cheesy it may be and oversimplified, I, I think that that is, like, the greatest hope for the world, is that people who disagree with each other can uh, socialize with one another. To a certain degree, I mean, if somebody's opinion is, like, you shouldn't exist anymore, that's kind of hard to, like... Right. You know, like, I, I don't know who wants to have a beer with, you know, St. Burrow Baptists or whatever. Is that their name? I don't talk about that. You know, the people <laughs> who hate people. Yeah, but, you know, like, just as one example, right. you know, like, uh, but, and just in the orange elephant in the room, you know, there's that too. And I, like, want to... <laughs> I've heard it framed like that, and I love it. I'm stealing it. Do it. I just made it up. Uh, but, you know, that's a whole nother layer to everything. Um, and when it's not only culturally woven into things, like the first Arabs I saw were the Libyans in Back to the Future, you know, v v versus, like, post-9-11, where our, our our cultural face is saying one thing and our cultural underbelly is doing something else. And now it's just one big, like, hairy, like, Doc Brown scared of Libyans thing, you know? It's yeah. like that moment in the movie, but forever. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, I, yeah, I, I, so now with with that, at least, with Donald Trump, it's more like, me and Alex talked about maybe putting some of him into the play. And while I've been working on it, it seems like it's not even relevant. Like, it's, I mean, it is, it, it's implicit, right? Right. It's, it's just like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I may put something, I'm sure he used his format to say something against the mosque in 2010. So maybe something like that, but. For for a while, I thought of just drawing a big line from like like having the end of the play be like his inauguration speech or something, but then it just seemed a bit too like, you know, this play doesn't have angels coming out of the ceiling. Though I would love that. I'm not gonna lie, Angels in America is a, <laughs> is a huge influence, but um, you know, like it it, it isn't that. I kind of think. At least with this piece, less is more, and that's what I'm trying to do. My goal is to cut the 
shards out of it, but we'll see where it goes. But uh, yeah, I mean, that is the longest answer to a question I'm sure you've ever gotten. But I, I don't know about, I'm not sure about that. I'll have to, I'll have to check the record, but okay. um, very, very articulate and, and well said. So folks want to get tickets for this. They're going to visit the link in the episode description for Fearless Theater's Facebook event. It is September 13th and 14th at 7 o'clock. October 13th and 14th. Oh my gosh, it's October already. I wish October it was still September. October 13th and 14th. I will gladly take three weeks of my life back. That sounds great. <laughs> at the Arapahoe Library District in Littleton, Colorado. Uh, folks, get on it. Boulder, Colorado. Colorado in general, go see this show, okay? Do it. It's in South Denver. You'd have a lovely ride. You can drive through Golden if you want. It's uh, Golden's super cute. It is. It is so cute, and it's really beautiful right now. You can even roll down with the windows down if it's a nice day. Really, I'm just selling the weather, but uh, you should uh, definitely come to the show. I, I, I really hope you do. Uh, it's also a fundraiser for Fearless Theater's upcoming season, and they're a great young company that's doing everything from High School Musical to Julius Caesar. Uh, they'll be doing Almost Maine after this show, so oh, that's such a uh, show. definitely come through and come for free if you want. If the gas money was enough, you know, I understand that. Uh, but if you got five, ten, one dollar, also throw that in for the wonderful people at Fearless and uh, come and listen to a play. If you're there on the 14th, uh, maybe you can come party with us or something. And if you're there on the 13th, be careful. Friday the 13th is a scary... That's that's when I hurt my knee, so be careful, people. Be careful on Friday the 13th, folks. In October, yeah. not September. Yes, yeah. in October. Don't go back to the future. No, that doesn't even hold up. Well, if, if you went back to see the show when you originally said it, then you'd have to come back to the future to get back to where you came from. This is true. Time. Yeah. This is the first time we've talked about time travel logic on the podcast. Won't be the last time. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So coming up next for you, uh, as you sort of alluded to before, Guards at the Taj, Boulder Ensemble Theater Company. Tell me about this piece. Uh, it's an amazing play. Uh, it's an amazing piece by Rajiv Joseph. Uh, it's just a twofer. Uh, just me and Sam Gilstrap will be in this piece. Uh, Hugh Mayen and Babber are the characters' names. It's set in, um, I want to say, 16th century India. I may be off by 100 years. Uh, but right around when the Taj Mahal was being uh, finished, which I think was a seven or eight year endeavor by the then emperor, like San Jahan. I'm going to learn a lot more about it in the next three months. But uh, uh, <laughs> uh, the emperor, of course, commissions the Taj Mahal for his widow, uh, a woman that he dearly loved. And he has two guards uh, guarding the Taj Mahal to make sure nobody sees it, including the guards themselves. And the show opens with the completion of the Taj. And you see how these two guards' lives are changed by the events that follow. It's really good. If I say anything else, it'll ruin it. But Ooh. it's such a great piece. I mean, there's such a huge changeover in the middle of the show. Uh, just set-wise, because of some things that go down, that um, that alone 
is worth seeing the show because I just want to see how we're going to do it. But um, it, even if there wasn't that, I just think it's 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 an amazing piece of theater that really dives deep into uh, a relationship between one person and another person. It's very bare bones, but and it's really funny, and it's really funny. So uh, please come out to check that out. Uh, uh, out, out, out. If you like Sam Gilstrap, you will love this show. If you like me. You will love the show because it's just us. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you like Rajiv Joseph, come out, check the show out. If you like Betsy, if you like Stephen Weitz, uh, I'm not sure if it's Weitz or Weitz. It's probably just Weitz, but I wanted to be funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's going to direct it. Jeff Kent's going to be our fight choreographer. Um, I don't know the designers offhand yet, but I'm sure it's going to be amazing. So, uh yeah, come check that out. It'll be mid-January through mid-February. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be bloody and funny and crazy. Yay! And we'll link to that as well in the episode description. And hey, folks, if you call the dairy box office, I might sell you your ticket. So it's just like there's so many good things going on about this show. The so one just... and only Katie. Yes! Um... Listen to that voice. <laughs> you want to hear that voice over the phone? Yeah. Uh... Hey, can you talk about the intersection of being an actor and a playwright and what each does for the other a little bit? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm more of an actor who writes, if I'm going to be honest. It's it's like the actor who moves versus dancer <laughs> distinction, you know? I identify with both of those things. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I know for, for me, as I said a little er- earlier, it, it was more of a conduit to create my own work. Um, I think the best thing I learned in college was no. <laughs> it, it helped me to see not only like where I fit in some people's idea of American theater, but also like, you know, you have to create your own opportunities. Uh, I think there's a reason why so many successful people in our pop culture now are more are like triple threats or you know are like somewhere on the scope of donald glover you know uh right. i i think there's a reason for that um it's it's first off because com- competition is more um more extreme for for one no matter where where you are uh uh but also i i, I think like we're less likely to put restrictions on ourselves and we all understand that uh, you're your own business. So, you know, if, if you can't buy a billboard, write a play for yourself, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, if, if that makes sense. But I, I think in terms of like the art, which is really the more in- interesting part to me, uh, is, uh, you know, uh, I think... For me, rhythm really informs the way I write. Um, it might be because I'm a rapper, but it uh, it also has to do with having read so many plays as an actor and having said so many different pieces of text. Like After a while, I start to realize that really great writers have a rhythm to them that is natural and either reflective of the time or is just something that they fell into that really works and the really great ones it's like different instruments playing 
uh, with different cadences and rhythms because that's how we all talk. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you could dance to this if you could find the beat to it. You know what I'm saying, bro? Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's those things and the best acting teacher I've ever had once said uh, that actors should make their choices personal should like it's the role of the actor not just to reflect the work but to express their viewpoint through the work and that's where like real great artistry comes from in terms of acting so it looking at it from that point of view it was only logical to go the next step of expressing my own viewpoint directly uh uh yeah yeah and then just kind of watch a lot of stuff <laughs> i've watched the wire and uh angels in america and you know reading a angels in america or uh, uh you know animals out of paper uh so it's things that i read initially as an actor once i start to work on this piece begin to inform how i'm writing it um because there were things that di directly dealt with what I'm dealing with because they were roles for somebody like me. So, you know, it, it, once you start going down that path of writing a piece for yourself, it starts to feed into it because you've been reading plays for yourself for so long anyways, looking for the work, uh, you know. And then once you have it, now I'm at the point where I'm trying to look at it beyond the actor, um trying to look at it as an actor from all roles, not just the one I wrote for myself, first off. And secondly, to just try to see it as a piece, um, as just a, a play, because at the end of the day, it needs to be a good play, or it was all for naught, you know? Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. A uh, question I like to ask actors, just in case there's someone listening who could make it so... What are some of your bucket list roles? Like, what are the ones that have to happen? Uh, there's a lot. Um, Stanley Kowalski. Mainly because I'm so scared of it. I like, you know, first off, there's the abusive aspect of it, which is terrifying. But also, it's just Brando. Like, Marlon Brando in that movie, um, I was already... My fire was already stoked, but like... That's the thing that made me see what was possible and um, see my, like, men in my life reflected. And I was, like, uh, really amazed by that. So now the goal is to do that without copying him. And right. I feel like that's a really, it scares me so much. I know I have to do it. Um, and I think it would be a good showcase for me. Um, uh Iago and Othello, Richard the Third. I just got to play Gloucester, um, it, which it was basically the prequel to Richard the Third. Right. Um, uh, so that was that made me see that I could do it, and it made me want to do it, which is something I didn't even think about. Uh, uh, 
Satan, Jesus, or Judas, and The Last Days of Judas Iscariot by Stephen Adley Gerges. Anything by Stephen Adley Gerges, really, like anything that isn't explicitly written for uh, a, a black person in those plays, I, I would want to do. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Muhammad in Mosque is probably one of my dream roles. No, um, uh, uh, I don't know. There's so many. I mean, I'd love to play a gangster in a movie. I'm not, I mean, yeah. it's just something that I'd like to do. I've played Italians a few times. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, Hamilton. I, I can rap really well, and Lin-Manuel Miranda is an amazing musician, but he's not an amazing singer. So he writes the parts that he writes for himself, so well they said. could be sung yeah. by somebody who... Um, isn't a virtuoso like my wife um, so that would be pretty amazing or hopefully those continue happening um, or I'd create something myself that like allows those two worlds to really mix Roy Cohen in Angels in America yeah. Lewis in Angels in America Pryor though I'll, I'll never play Pryor um, I'm not the Pryor type people I have brown skin in case you can't see um, yeah, and, uh, I, I will just keep going, so I, I should probably stop. That's, I mean, I think that's the best list I've, I've heard of so far on this podcast. Do you have any, have you, have you, since you have a partner who's an actor, have you had the chance to work with her? Are, are there roles that, are there plays that are projects that you two want to get off the ground together? Uh... Oddly enough, we went to high school together. So we went to the same theater career Shut center. up! Yeah. So she was Wilhelmina and I was Van Helsing in the production of Dracula. Um, she, yeah, I, we, we've done, we did a couple musicals together where I did not sing. <laughs> uh, but she did. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we did loads of stuff together. Um, and then... But we didn't date until after <clears throat> um, we both graduated college. So we had already known each other, you know, going on like six years before we dated. But uh, uh, we also did a scene from A Streetcar Named Desire for an AP English class wow. together. And she was uh, Stella. But um, then when I moved to Philly, it was actually because of her. Uh, she had her own theater company. With two undergrad colleagues um, called Bright Light Theater Company. And they had a piece called All Places From Here. The poster used to be there, but um, if I give you a tour of the house, you'll see it later. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was based on a Fulbright Scholar's work in Morocco. And uh, he worked with impoverished kids in Morocco and made films with them and made art with them. And we made a play based on their art. Um, and they asked me, because like, I could rap and play drums, and I looked like I was from Morocco. Uh, and I said yes, because I was living in New York and working at Trader Joe's and not just, just writing a play. Uh, so I said yes. And that's when we started to date. Uh, and that's really the last time we've worked directly together in a while. I did some... I did a uh, the, uh, 
thesis piece with her at Naropa, her first year in the program. Uh, and that's it right now. We, we always talk about, you know, making music together or uh, making a piece. It's just now our sensibilities have changed so much that it's more of a challenge because I like to do like a play and Ali loves to do, you know, theater, you know, like more devised work or more, right. um, you know, work that isn't so lenient on story or text and more about the uh, the event. Like an improvised opera or something like yeah, that, Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> you know, I should, if you hear about something like that, let me know. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's something that we always wistfully talk about. So I'm sure it's just a matter of time. That's a great, that's a great framework in which to hold that. As we sort of wrap this up, I think you've already given a lot of great advice, um, for artists in this piece, but if you had to sort of do the Buzzfeed listicle of, you know, a couple top things that that you've really learned and held with you along the way. Um, what advice can you leave our listeners with? Uh, don't listen to advice. No, um, <laughs> no. Uh, I would like. I think a big thing that's helped me. Uh, we'll see how helpful it is, but I just you know I was working as an actor when I could. Make, making nothing and then I came here worked as a mattress delivery man for two years while Allison acted and because of the nature of my work I couldn't do anything because I never knew when I was going to get off so it was the longest I've gone without doing theater my adult life and that helped me see uh, to kind of take my life into my own hands and when I decided to be an actor, I made the decision to value my time over money. Um, I knew that when I was 16 years old. But uh, uh, when you start to try to actively make the decision to only make your money doing this, uh, I was lucky. I, I got out of the mattress thing, moved here to North Denver, started working at View House next to the ballpark, a uh, sports bar. And was kind of caught in the same thing, but I had a flexible schedule so I could start doing The Edge and Pandemic and, you know, things that aren't uh, living wage paychecks, but are, are close and you can, you know, so I started working there part time. And then uh, then a homeless man tackles me and dislocates my knee and tears my ACL. I can't work at the restaurant. I had to make my living acting because I had no other way to do it um, that I could make work because I can't get an office job because it's 2017 and that's the economy. So, you know, I, uh, for better or worse, it made me force my, forced myself into that position. And now I've been doing it. I mean, it's, it's school tours. It's, Christmas shows that are only there for two months that only kids go to it's you know it's amusement parks it's uh, events where you show up dressed as somebody you know it's 
catering, it's Ubering, it's uh, and occasionally getting something big that will hopefully lead to equity contracts in the future, and getting an agent, which I just finally got one. And congratulations, uh, radical. Um, uh, thank you. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, it's 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 piecing all those things together and making a conscious choice to uh, move in that direction, and then keeping make making keeping the steps going towards that goal and uh being willing to be broke <laughs> which i mean like the past two years have been amazing for how bad it's been for the world it's been really good for me um but i'm also like broke as shit you know and um i think it's being willing to keep that compromise that i made when i was 16 alive and well and uh, not really caring about like owning a home eventually or having children or like having 2.5 cars. Uh, I mean, I think I can do those things. I have that goal in mind, but you know, it's, it's only with this supporting it or nothing else. Um, yeah, it's like this or nothing. Uh, um, but keeping the curiosity alive to like, I, I had, <laughs> I don't know, like two or three days off this whole summer. I did have two weeks off from the festival, but I was planning a wedding and memorizing Rosencrantz and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead that whole time. Uh, so it, yeah, like there, uh, that's what happened. And it was an amazing problem to have. But now... I'm like using this time to it, October's a big pillow, you know, um, and I'm just so it's also knowing when you need to take care of yourself and figuring out everything. Um, it's there are people doing it in Denver, in New Mexico, in L.A., in Chicago, in New York. But, you know, for those listening to this podcast in Denver, in Washington, where wherever there is an actor making a living doing it, you can do it, too. Um, you know, be because of your type or what you offered. Um, it's not going to be how that person's doing it, but you can still do it. Uh, and it, it's going to be like a lifetime of figuring it out. Like when I found out that one of the leading actors in town still Ubers and Lyfts, and like you know they've been here for twenty years and are on the top of the mountain, and they still do that. You know. Um, people teach people it's it's everything and so it's kind of amalgamating all those things learning new skills along the way and trying to incorporate that into how you make your money um and you know like my end goal is to just be acting and to like have a mortgage that's my goal um and i know i'm gonna achieve it it just might take 20 years and i'm okay with that um so i think all, all those things are part of it uh, just say yes, say yes, and now I'm beginning to learn to know your value as well, but you kind of have to get to a point to uh, uh, have that kind of, I don't want to say clout, that makes me sound like an asshole. Uh, I don't think it does. Okay, clout, clout, own it, clout. Um, yeah, so I I hope this isn't turning into a ramble too much. I think it's. It's honestly one of the most practical and, and non-philosophical 
pieces of advice we've had at the tail end of the episode and is actually in a big way giving me a lot of hope and so nice. i think it's like the perfect answer yeah i'm 29 you know like i i graduated in 2010 that's when i graduated college i haven't paid off most of the debt i'm still super in debt you know like um and i don't care i'm gonna pay off that debt with what i got my degree in or i'm Betsy DeVos will come knock on my door. You know, like, I... <laughs> Let's hope not. No, I don't think so. But, you know, the rules are going to change, that's for sure. Uh, but, you know, it's... Yeah, I I think in terms of the philosophical, like, that doesn't... For, for me, at least, the work itself is the philosophy. And, like, knowing that that's what you want to do, that that's what you're willing to sacrifice for, that that's what you believe in, you know... Um, do you know Killer Mike at all? No. Uh, one half of Run the Jewels. It's a hit hip hop group. He's a he's a pretty prolific rapper within his own right. Killer Mike from Atlanta, <laughs> middle aged man. Uh, uh, and he has a song on his album Rap Music R A P Music, uh, Royal African People's Music, I think is what the acronym stands for. But in the song, he says, uh, I've never had a religious experience in a religious place. The only time I've ever seen or felt God is while listening to rap music. Um, I agree with him, but I also would say, or watching film and theater or acting or creating a narrative that reminds people they're not alone. You know? Um, so I... I for for me like the philo- the philosophical aspect that drives the engine of all that sacrifice and financial irresponsibility mm-hmm. uh is um uh, uh praying at the altar of art you know like I watch so many YouTube videos about how like great films were made or how this screenplay is st- structured or um or I'll just watch something. Sometimes it's popcorn. Sometimes it's like, oh, I'm watching Back to the Future for the 50th time. And sometimes it's like, I'm watching Shame for the third time. Because I don't know if I could watch the movie 50 times. But, you know, it's it's just a fucking beautiful film. Um, and uh, a goal to strive for, I think, is the philosophy. But the real key to it is the hustle, is the uh, deriving. Successful people work hard. Um, you know, like I'm not a libertarian at all. I'm the exact opposite, but you know, like, I think that's one thing that we can all agree on. Right. That's what the Democrats always try to sell themselves on. And then the Republicans say that they're the party of lazy people, but we all understand that you need to work hard to get what you want and just don't forget that, you know, be happy with dying in the pursuit because even the people who made it, they, you know they're still pursuing something too like yeah that's that's what you have to tell yourself at night when you know somebody on gotham that's a that's a joke but there's some truth to that uh, but, uh love to the riddler cory michael smith yay yay watch that show he's awesome but uh you know like i i think that's pretty much it work really hard and never stop forgetting why you're working hard and don't expect anything but hope. <laughs> yeah. 
write a book, please. Like, I want like an ebook of this podcast. Actually, like, it's super. Right. I'm like super inspired in the moment. Uh, Thanks. Hey, folks, you're gonna want to support all the hard work that's going on from this man's brain. Uh, go see Mosque October. 13th and 14th, go see Ta- Guards at the Taj, Dairy Art Center, Betsy, January, February. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This Thank has been you, incredible. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I was so honored. I've been interviewed. <laughs>